You're about to listen to Dirty Laughs Podcast. When life doesn't give you the success you planned, grab a microphone and your three best friends and put on a show anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Hello everybody, good morning. Good morning everyone. I hope you're all having a wonderful day. I hate it. Stop it now. <laughs> I hate ASMR. I hate it. In my ears. I hate it as well. I don't I don't Hello. get why people like it. No. You know like I when people know. like do like people will do like, oh, this is my makeup routine and then for no reason over the top of it it's like and like all of this and you're like why are you doing this to me yeah <laughs> i don't even really want to see your makeup routine but i definitely don't want to hear your nails <laughs> clacking on stuff <laughs> oh, clacking. That's a great one. um anyway <laughs> welcome to dirty last podcast where we're writing the music and talking all things theater woo, woo, woo. Hooray. honestly guys we we talked about this last week how uninterested you guys Sorry. are when we yes kevin Lizzie Carl! <laughs> <laughs> it's Sunday morning. It's the Lord's Day. You're an actor, Sam. Am I? <laughs> Am I? <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, we have lots of fun things planned today. So if it's your first time, then welcome to the family. Mm. Has anyone got anything really insightful they want to add before we uh, move on? Insightful? No. We finished our last cheerleading competition of the season. You know what? We did all right. We did our summer show. I think the heat got to the uh, the tech and midway through, luckily it was on the musical theatre numbers, the sound just cut, just pure cut. And I've been threatening the kids, one day the sound's going to cut and you've got to carry on like there's nothing there. And literally they all looked at me on the side of the stage and I nodded at them. They just carried on. And I was like, Yes, well done, guys. And it was really nice. Harriet, you just described that like a moment in like a dance movie. <laughs> it did sound like a movie. It, honest to God, it... You know what you have to do now. You gave them a silent nod across the and room. And then all in slow motion just start <laughs> nodding at each other like, we got this, guys. We're all in this together, guys. The audience stood up. Yeah. <laughs> slow motion applaud. Wow. And then they lift up the trophy. They've won first place. And then the cannon confetti explodes everywhere. And then they all live happily ever after and walk off into the sunset with their trophy. They did. Honest to God, they did. Um, Well done, though. That's really good. Thank you. Sorry, I did joke, but well done, Harriet. Thank you. We we got there. I always end, joke before I give a compliment, and I'm really sorry. She about does. That. <laughs> it's it's a character building thing. It makes you stronger as a person. I just I can't be sincere. <laughs> makes you stronger as a person to be friends with Sam. Oh, that's just <laughs> horrible! Wow. That's such a horrible thing to say. No, it's not. It's a compliment. I'm really sensitive. I'm so sensitive right now. I actually thought I might cry. <laughs> Remember when you asked us for like quotes to put on a dating profile? Well, there's one. (laughs) (laughs) I can be a bit... No, I can be... I love you. I'm the most... Right, my friend said this the other day. I can be the most loving, sincere friend in the world. But there are certain moments where I think where I'm so patient and then I just tip over the edge and I just become so savage. 
and so, so short-tempered and it comes as a shock to them because <laughs> I'm like this I'm like bubbly and happy and all of this stuff and then all of a sudden I'm just like yeah fuck off I think <laughs> as well it's because I know exactly how to trigger Sam as well but sometimes I do it accidentally <laughs> oh. oh god love you sorry no well done thank you yeah well done oh what a roller coaster Sam anything you want to add I'm at a crossroads in my life right now and it's not great, but uh, we'll get there. We'll get through it. That's what life's about. It is. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's shit. And, and I'd need to hook up my tattoos. The eternal roller coaster of life. Exactly. If it was easy, it'd be boring. Get me off. <laughs> I'm fed up with this roller coaster. I've got motion sickness. I need to get off. She wants to go back to the teacups. Get me off those teacups. I'm dizzy. <laughs> Uh, put me on the bus back home. That's all I want. Doesn't even want to drive. She'll take the bus. Just drag me in a in a wheelbarrow. I nearly said then. I don't know why that was what came to mind. <laughs> so put me in that wheelbarrow. Gone down for public transport to wheelbarrows. Jesus Christ. Has you have you ever seen anyone drag a wheelbarrow? I don't. Depends how heavy. It's not it is. even like. Alicia's has lived in Wales too long. She's surrounded by fields. She only sees wheelbarrows. Honestly, it's true. <laughs> So in this segment we learn um, about a musical that already exists and we're bringing out the big guns guys today. I think it'll be very easy for you to figure out what this musical is so shall I give you a clue? Yeah. Yes. I like playing the guessing game. Okay. We're gonna get it wrong. Okay in 1996 this musical won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama and the Tony Award for Best Musical. 1996. Okay spelling B. No. It's based on an opera by Puccini, La Boheme. Rent! Yes! Rent! Oh, yeah! 525,600 minutes. Oh, I love Rent. I actually ah, really love Rent. Love it. Yeah. Rent is great. I went down such a rabbit hole last night and then I ended up watching Rent. <laughs> I was just like lost in a world of Rent. You know what? I think I Rent is one of my favourite musicals. I agree. While I was watching it, I was like halfway through i was like do you know what this is right up there with for me as like one of my favorites i just it's just, it's just so classics good for me yeah it's one that i can listen to mm. and just it's party. a classic and i enjoy it but i wouldn't <laughs> say it's one of my favorites if you ha- don't know you haven't seen it rent is a rock musical by the late great jonathan larson there's so much information out there that i'm not gonna be able to cover it all so I'm not going to go into that much detail about Jonathan Larson himself in terms of his background and his upbringing. Um, You can find that information out there if you are interested. But he was a Jewish writer who was born and raised in New York City. And he grew up as a musician, so he played loads of instruments. And he was classically trained, but he loved rock music. And then he got into musical theatre. And as always in these things, his inspiration in musical theatre was Stephen Sondheim. And he actually was an actor, so he had a scholarship and he studied acting and apparently was a really good actor. But on the side of that, he started writing music um, and he would be like commissioned to do things for his university. And then he had uh, a musical called Superbia, which he spent six years developing. And even to this day, it's never had a full run or performance really anywhere. It had a kind of reading workshop version of it. That it it won grants and it won awards because of the quality of the work, but just nothing ever happened off the back of it. So he went back to the drawing board 
Um, while he was going back to the drawing board is when we meet a playwright called Billy Aronson. So in 1988, Billy Aronson decided he wanted to create a musical that was based on Puccini's opera La Boheme, which is about, um, I can't remember what time period it's set in, but obviously it's like a long time ago. And it's about young, poor artists in the middle of a TB pandemic. So he had this idea that this would translate to the modern day New York. And they were in the midst of, obviously, at the time, a very devastating AIDS pandemic in the poor bohemian areas of New York. So he had this idea and he was advised to approach Jonathan Larson. So that's what he did. And they started working together. And they didn't quite see eye to eye on a lot of things. Jonathan Larson was quite a creative mind in terms of how he envisioned things and the ideas that he had and Aronson didn't get a lot of it so even like the name Rent was an idea by Larson Aronson didn't like it at all but then it was explained to him that the word Rent also means tear apart which I didn't know but then when I was reading it I remember that there's like they use it in Shakespeare so like in um the only monologue I fully remember from Shakespeare from A Midsummer Night's Dream Helena says will you rent our ancient love asunder which means will you tear our love apart but I never fully like translated that the word rent actually means to tear apart so that's actually really interesting I never realized that yeah so that's actually why it's called rent so there was like a few moments like that where Aronson just didn't get it and they wrote three songs which were Santa Fe, Rent and I Should Tell You but then they just stopped writing it. They moved on um, and did other things and they just kind of didn't think about it. And Larson then wrote the semi-autobiographical kind of, he calls it a rock monologue, which is Tick, Tick, Boom. And he worked on that. Again, during his lifetime, Tick, Tick, Boom never had a fully staged performance. Uh, he did do a one performance that was him on a piano with two of his friends, which you can watch. And he had interest in it but it never went anywhere while he was alive. Um, but he did used to write to Sondheim. So this is where his like love for Sondheim comes back into play. So he would write to Sondheim and he would send him his work. And Sondheim did interact with him. He did kind of respond to the letters and he actually wrote re letters of recommendation to producers on behalf of Jonathan Larson because he did like the work that he was doing. That's cool. Yeah, so Tick Tick Boom had a lot of interest and it had interest from a producer called Jeffrey Seller who came along to one of the readings and liked his work and decided he was uh, interested in working with future shows for Jonathan Larson and he came back to Rent and he started working on Rent again and he actually made a deal with Billy Aronson who was the guy who had the initial idea for Rent that Larson would work on it by himself but Aronson would get credit for the original concept and additional lyrics and they would share the proceeds if it ever went to Broadway. But the all of the rest of the work and all the, ref, the rest of the credit was all on Jonathan Larson. Basically, I think he was really struck by a lot of the similarities between his own life and the world that they were building within Rent and he really lent into that. So a lot of it is does come directly from the opera La Boheme. So actually some of the melodies in Rent come directly from 
Labo Ems. You can actually hear them in the songs. And some of the songs are direct correlations from the songs that are in Labo Ems. So there's lots of things that came in like really heavily embedded from the opera. But then he decided to take his own life and really put it into the show because he had spent most of his life as a penniless writer in, in the sort of rougher areas of New York. And some of the characters are directly based on characters in his own life. And some of the relationships are also based on his own relationships. Like he had had a, an ex-girlfriend who left him for a woman. So then he wrote that into the story between Mark and Maureen. So there's lots of things that are exact um, reflections on his life. He described it as that he wanted a large scale rock opera and he wanted to bring theatre to the MTV generation. Because this was, if you think that like, there was a theatre renaissance, as it were, when Hamilton came around and that changed a lot of things to bring a new audience into the world of theatre. But this was 20 years before that and Rent was the first sort of wave of a modern day, um, like renaissance or revolution or whatever you want to call it. Um, and at the time, Broadway and musical theatre was very old fashioned and traditional and young people weren't that into it. And certainly the kind of audience that Rent brought in were not interested. It was, they weren't, didn't care about Broadway. So he had this vision to bring it to people and have their lives play out on stage. And he spent most of the early 90s working on it while he was waiting tables at the now infamous Moondance Diner. Over the course of those years, he made loads of drastic changes. So it just changed all the time. And he wrote hundreds of songs for it. Um, and then he narrowed it down and the final version has 42 songs in it. And in 1992, he approached uh, the artistic director of the New York Theatre Workshop, who's called James Nicola. And he came with a tape and a copy of Rent's script. And the guy was very keen. And then Rent had its first staged reading in 1993 which did include Anthony Rapp as the character of Mark who then famously went on to stay with Rent through to Broadway and he's still very much kind of known for Rent anyway and the general opinion off the back of this reading was that the material was very promising and the musical numbers were really moving and the content was interesting but there were some I think it became very clear quickly there were some big issues they needed to resolve mostly it was way too long and also it was too complex there were too many characters and he'd like developed all of the characters so he had to go back to the drawing board again and start looking at how he could reduce some of that and he cut a lot of the songs as well he also did something so initially mark cohen was the only person in the whole show that didn't have aids and i think some of the feedback they had was that it was very serious and all of the characters were very serious so he tried he basically what made some amendments and he mixed that up a bit so that it wasn't everyone had aids it was like some people did and some people didn't and you saw a mix of like lives because i think they felt like if it's going to be a sung through musical and it's going to be a long one you need to have some light moments it can't just be like <laughs> all serious and everyone's having a bad time. So they made a load of amendments to that. And he wanted it to be very real. So the, the uh, venues that exist, like the cafes that they go to were real places that him and his friends would hang out in. And the riot that happens at the end of act one, that's based on a real riot that happened in 1988. So there was like actual things happening. And then he spent time working with his friends who had AIDS um, and a lot of his friends had passed away from AIDS and he would go to these support group meetings regularly for people that were dealing with illness and grief 
And that's where you had the idea to include this whole like life support section. And uh, the song Will I, which mm. is one of my favourite moments in the whole musical. Same. Um, that was inspired by a particular meeting where a man stood up and said that he wasn't afraid of dying, but then he said, will I lose my dignity? And that like really like struck a chord with Larson and that became the opening line of Will I and the whole of that song came from kind of like speeches and things that people were making in these meetings. Um, and, and the same with the lyrics and the dialogue in the life support kind of scene and that song came directly from people saying to him, well, this is what I would say to that particular question or, you know, this is how I would feel about it. And in fact, the names of the characters in the life support group in Rent are the names of Jonathan Larson's friends who had died from AIDS. So it's very much rooted in reality. And then when it went on to be on Broadway, they would change the names of those characters every night to honour people who they knew who had died from AIDS or who had AIDS or like they were, it became like a part of the show that honoured real life and it took a step out of the plot, um, which I think was part of why it was such a like revolutionary show at the time. So I mentioned earlier that the producer Jeffrey Seller had gone to see Tick Tick Boom and expressed interest in working with him. So then he came to see a workshop performance of Rent. He really liked it. And then he went off and convinced his fellow producers to, you know, this show needs to come to Broadway. And it um, was then picked up to have an off-Broadway run in January 1996. Uh, most people already know this, but sadly, Jonathan Larson passed away the day before the first preview performance from an undiagnosed heart condition, um, which he had shown symptoms for, but uh, just the stress of putting a show on, you know, like you just, you wouldn't necessarily stop and think that headaches or things like that are coming from anything deeper than probably not sleeping, doing a lot of work, you know, all the stress that comes with it. So it just was masked by that. Um, which means that he never saw a public performance of Rent ever, um, which is obviously really sad. And they decided the cast, because Jonathan Larson's family had already flown into New York because they were coming to see the show. So the cast spoke with his family and they all decided to go ahead with that first performance, but they all sat at tables and chairs and they just sang it through for the audience in a low key fashion. Um, but when they got to the act one finale, which is La Vie Bohème, they kind of were like overcome with like wanting to perform it and with the like approval of his family and the audience that were there they decided to just get up so they didn't have costume they didn't have set they didn't have props or anything like that but they just got up as they were and did the whole rest of the show fully staged as they were planning to do it as much as possible anyway and then it had a like crazy long standing ovation and then followed by a really long silence apparently where everyone just stood and it w I feel like it would have been it would be so um interesting to see what it was like to be in that theatre on that night yeah yeah so following this it continued on on its off-broadway run it was sold out run and the show kept getting extended because the word of mouth had spread 
Um, the reviews, obviously, like it had huge critical acclaim. And also, I, I do think that Jonathan Larson's death added to the sort of notoriety of the show. I think people were interested because it had this like story around it. Um, and people would go and camp out on the street outside the theatre trying to get tickets for it. And it was like a, a massive, massive moment in Broadway history. And part of the reason why it did transfer to Broadway only three months later was genuinely because the theatre it was in just didn't have the capacity for the amount of people that wanted to see the show. It sort of started with a cult following, but of people called Rent Heads. But now, obviously, it's just a kind of widely loved musical. It won four Tony Awards, it won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama, which uh, very few musicals really do. And the musical, I mean, let's be honest, it's one of the most successful musicals probably of all time in terms of like the love that is out for it. And it's got its rent head fan base, it's had a movie uh, with much of the original Broadway cast, and it's been played around the world in loads of countries in you know many versions of it and different formats of it as well immersive or they did the like rent live on um in america on tv um and obviously we mentioned already seasons of love but seasons of love is one of the most like beloved musical theater songs of all time so jeffrey seller who produced rent did go on to produce tick tick boom but later so um, Jonathan Larson never saw that, but he did do a Broadway run of it. And then it, it did kind of go on to, it's not, it doesn't have as big a legacy and it's just a very different show. Um, and then it's got a film, which you can watch on Netflix, which Lin-Manuel Miranda directed and Andrew Garfield was nominated for an Oscar for. I'm going to watch that today. Mm. It's really, it's just a really fascinating film. Like, so it's, it's semi-autobiographical. So not everything is, is exactly Jonathan Larson's life, but you get a real insight into yeah. it and it does uh, it it does document him writing that first musical superbia the one that nothing ever happened with um it does document that and you get a real insight into kind of what that whole process was like as as well as seeing some of the the build towards him writing rent in -hmm. terms of like the life that he was living and his friends having aids and things so it's definitely worth watching um, yeah, and I mean, I literally just spent hours. I just got totally lost in just like researching Jonathan Larson's life. Um, so <laughs> I highly recommend. He's a very interesting man. But that's Rent. Hooray! Oh. It's, it's absolutely worth watching just because it's just such an... Even if you don't like it, but it's like, it's just such an interesting show. And it is yeah. revolutionary. So in terms of like, it did define a moment in musical theatre history. So it feels like one of those shows you need to watch just to understand what that whole thing was even about. That was interesting. Thank you, Ailish. I love Rent, and I'm glad that we picked Rent today. Yeah. That was great. I, di- I didn't know, like, over half that stuff about Rent, and now I feel that when I go back and watch Rent again, there's going to be so many more little moments I'm going to be so much more emotionally involved in. Yeah, they also talk about it a little bit. I don't know if you've watched Adina Menzel's um, documentary on Disney+. Plus. I don't really like her very much, but I watched her documentary and I really, I really liked it. It made me like really like change my opinion on her. But she, oh, there's a whole section where they talk about Rent. She has a documentary. She has a documentary. It came out a couple of months ago on Disney. I highly recommend it. It's it's a really interesting oh watch. Um, know what I'm adding to my list? Yeah, and they she talks 
about Rent and they talk about that whole opening night and like everything that happened and how because Rent was the thing that really like sent her career. Yeah, it, like it was a big moment for her, like a turning point. So um, it's really interesting oh. to like see that you know like someone's perspective from the cast. I have two things to watch today. Time to write a musical. We're here to write a musical. And it's about a battle between someone's heart and their head. We see it play out in real life where we see two characters called Corey and Ali who are the heart and the head. And then we meet Jo and Jo's shut down. She's got a bit of trauma and she starts to unpack it and they, you know, we kind of want them to unite. Um, so that's the real reason that we're here. And uh, we're going to hear from Sam today who's been doing a little bit of writing and wants to bring some stuff to us. Um, yes, so we had a little gap in our script, which uh, was to do with the kind of angry monologue that Joe has. She basically just flips and starts to stand up for herself for the very, very first time. Um, it's something that I really wanted to get my teeth into. We'd already written short little snippets of monologues ourselves so what I've done is I've kind of combined all three that we wrote and try to sort of fine-tune it a little bit however it's very very long so I need Ailish and Harriet's help to maybe cut down it even more or alternatively if you like it nice and long we'll keep it that way but I think it's a little bit too long to sort of you can get the point you know okay I think just go with what you've got and yeah. then we you know we can figure that stuff out after just trying to get into character hang on <laughs> right so she's laughing <laughs> I'm sorry it's just <laughs> this is ridiculous all I want is to be honest with myself. I've kept quiet for so long because I knew people were going to judge me or make it all about themselves and bingo, I was right. You will sit there high and mighty like you've never done anything wrong or felt guilt or shame about something you couldn't control. You wonder why it's taken so long for me to tell you this stuff and then just look at your reactions. Embarrassing, left in the lurch. You know what, screw you guys, I'm mad. And for the first time in my life, I feel like I have every right to be. So if you disagree, well then tough luck because I'm standing up for myself for the first time in all my life. I'm an actual human being, you know, with valid feelings and emotions. And I didn't deserve what happened to me. I had no warning. They were just gone. I had no closure, nothing. I just had to accept that the one person I felt most at home with in all the world didn't want me anymore. I couldn't count on them. And now I can't even count on any of you. It's true what they say. You really do only have yourself. I'm trying to figure out what to do here and none of you get it. You haven't asked me what I'm thinking. I'm literally sitting here listening to you all talk about me like I'm not even here. Oh my God. Oh my God. You always talk about me like I'm not here. Did I do that? In the airport, I don't even remember hearing them speak. I don't know if they did. And now I'm letting you guys do it to me. It's just like I stopped. It Existing. What is even happening right now? You know what, maybe I, maybe I need a break. From everything. Including you lot. What have I got to lose? You lot clearly don't value me at all. 
I'm not going to sit here and make you guys feel better about what happened to me. I'm not going to get drunk and just so you don't have to have a real conversation. I don't want to hear about a completely different situation that happened to someone I've never heard of. And I definitely don't need any of you to speak for me. I've cared about what people think of me for so long. It stopped me in my tracks. Well, no more. I'm living my own life and making my own decisions. And you can either support me or leave me be because I don't have the energy for this anymore. I like that. That's really, really good. Yay. You know what? I, I know you said it was long. For me personally, I didn't think that was too bad. Yeah. I thought that was... I agree. Don't cut anything. And you know what I was thinking is... Um, we can think about staging. There can be things that can be done with staging that might shift throughout it that would take mm. rather... So if if she was to just stand and just, you know, like stand like in a really stagnant way and just say it, maybe that would feel long. But I think there's loads that can be done with it. I also was thinking we could almost do little moments, pick out things that could be like a Greek chorus where perhaps the whole ensemble turn and say a word with her. Or so, you know, like there could be things that like where because over this is where they start to unite don't they and i feel like we could build on a couple of moments of like where Corey and ali interact with that monologue because they are maybe listening to her or i don't know anyway i just yeah i really liked mm. it i think it's good i like that idea I, I can't see how that would work but i think directed correctly that could work really well so that can be yeah like thing. not in yeah. a not in a kind of cheesy yeah. shitty way i think i just there's some there's somewhere in the back of my mind like this i kind of beginning of an idea of you know like there could be some little moments we could do that are interesting um but it's really good okay. thanks sam yeah i like it all right thanks thank you <laughs> Maybe I can write. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> maybe write. we've been right all this time. You've just Sam, not listened to us. This is the conversation that you have every time you bring something. At the end, you're like, oh, I can do it. Oh, I... You... Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. have such a confidence crisis at the minute. Oh, my goodness. Well, you can do it. I am Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> not Sondheim, Shakespeare. Oh, I am Sondheim. <laughs> Sam time, we'll call Sam me. time. <laughs> Come and join Sam's social network. She's here for you. Everyone say hello to <laughs> everyone say hello to Amy. Hello, Hi, Amy. Amy. Woo. Um, Amy says you've been committed to this writing process and podcast for a while now. Have you ever lost your love for it, or how do you make sure that you maintain your motivation? Um. Great question. Yeah. Um, I would say there has been times where I think I've been like, I don't even know if I'm in this anymore. Like, um, whatever. But all I would say to that is you don't have to force yourself to be constantly writing or constantly in something. It's good sometimes just to take a step back, have a break and then come back to it. It doesn't yeah. harm anything. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, actually how this works so well. What I yeah, I think we do do that. Um and we both have we we all have, you know, other areas of our lives that sometimes need just a little bit more focus and then we can come back to it. So yeah, it's good sometimes just to take a step back, have a little break, don't think about it, then come back to it and you feel refreshed. Um that's what I have been doing anyway. I don't know about you two. 
Yeah, so I agree with everything you've said. I think there are... I wouldn't say there's sometimes where I've been like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. I think it's... I've more had the, can I do this? Am I good enough? That sort of thing. But I think what really helps is we do this like once every two weeks or whatever we can just to fit around our lives. And it's nice to be in it and solidly in it and then you come out and you take a break but it's also nice that we share the work so it's not like oh I've got to go and do this and oh I've got to go write another song and oh I've got to go choreograph a dance it's we'll discuss what we've got to do and then oh I think I could do that and it's we only take what we have the ideas for it's not like oh it's your turn it's if we've had the idea for it or someone's got an idea they take it and I, I think that's what makes it work because then you're working on the bit you want to work on, but equally there's no pressure there. And also, like, it doesn't have to be perfect first time. Having three people in the writing process means that... Okay, so, like, the script I wrote last episode, that was, like, the very rough first draft. And when we first started writing, I was like, it's got to be perfect the first time I do it. But actually doing it writing it putting it in here for people to discuss and then like sam's gonna take it or alish is gonna take it to write and then the other one's gonna take it to then rewrite it and it it works because it then takes the pressure off so like i'm rubbish at editing stuff out there but that's actually what those two are quite good at so it's playing to strengths so it's like for me I almost feel lazy sometimes now when I write scripts. I'm like, ah, just do the first bit and send it off to them. It'd be fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. For me, it works. Um, but then equally, my bit hasn't really come fully into play yet. But the writing as a dyslexic, ugh, not my strength at all. Um, sort of try and put what's in my head to paper. But then I've got the backup of two of my best friends who aren't going to be like, that's wrong, that's wrong. You spelt that wrong. Um who are just going to sort of like be like, okay, cool, that's fine. And like last week when we were just, we did the Corey and Ali thing, I think it was Ailey, she went, I love it. But for me, I think Corey and Ali needs to be swapped round. And then actually when I went back and thought about it, I was like, oh yeah, actually that's really, really true. Um, so yeah, it, it works. I'd say don't do it on your own. Do not do it on your own. That's my advice. That does vary from person to person, you know, like because... I think you can do stuff on your own if that works for you, but like make sure that you're can write things accountable to someone. You like have yeah. someone help you with some of the editing. Um, yeah, I mean, my feeling is absolutely, I don't think there's anything in the world that anyone does that you could 100% always be like on. You know, like I think that you're gonna lose drive and think I just think that is life there's nothing there's no project you could take on that you will at no point have a moment where you're like ugh I don't want to do it or I don't know if I can or any of those things and so I do just think that there is an element of like there has been loads of times where I haven't wanted to do stuff for this and I've just gone I'm gonna do it because I have to because it needs to be done you know like someone has to do it so I'm gonna do it um and I think that you do in order to create anything you do have to have some mentality where at some points, I think you there's a balance. There's moments where you go, I'm going to take a break from it. And then there are moments where you're just going to have to power on through the like lack of drive. Um, or find other, like for me, 
because I, you know, like I think one thing, like the great thing about working with different people is that you get to like rub off each other. You get to like, you know, like you said, you can create something. It doesn't need to be perfect. And there's other people that can come in and help like shape it into something that's great. Um, and then the challenge of working with different people is that everyone's got different goals. Everyone's in a different place, you know, like in their life and mentally with what they want. Um, and that can be something that is hard because then every now and then, like, because I know that like for me, I would go a million miles an hour if I could, but I know that you guys don't want to do that. So that is genuinely why I was like, started writing my own thing on the side. And that's genuinely saved my drive for this because I've got somewhere that I can go and do the hundred miles an hour thing. And then I can come back to this and be on the same page as you guys. And I think that's been like a, that's like really helped my mentality, but there's different versions of that for everyone. And I feel like you just have to find your version and whether that it might be that you need to take a step back for your mental health. It might be that you have to power on through, you know, like it might be that in that moment, the, but the right thing to do is to figure out how to do it anyway. Or it might be that you go, hold on, maybe if I get some of this energy out in another place, I can come back to this with the correct energy for what it needs at the moment. When you say 100 miles an hour, do you mean you want it to progress more quickly? <laughs> kind of. I don't mean that as um, anything against this or against you guys, by the way. I just, you know, like I, I want to write, actually want to do it. I want to create theatre for a career. That is my that is now something I just want to do I've wanted to do it for a long time and I want to direct um and I'm kind of like that's where I want to go so I'm at a place where I would like I would work on this as a full-time job if I could but I know that that's not like me wanting to do that doesn't mean that it's right for me to push other people you know to like do things because I know that I can that's I can become consumed by things because I want to move in a certain direction or whatever. So it's, um, so in a way, yes, but not like, I want this to go faster. It's just that I'm quite, you know, like when I, I have an obsessive personality. So when I start doing stuff, I tend to want to do it all the time. I want to do it the best that it can be done. And I do want to progress my career. So I've, I just realized that, I'm not do I'm not directing or it wasn't I didn't feel like I was directing my energy in the correct manner and that actually it doesn't have to all be like all eggs in one basket I can do that in other ways where I can get all of that and it also means that I can work on my own and get and learn a lot of writing you know so that I feel a bit more like confident then working with other people that I have kind of started honing some of my craft separately as well which helps for the things like what Harriet was saying about when you feel like you can't do it or, you know, those moments as well, that you can learn a bit by yourself. Not, I do work with other people. So I have like been sharing my work with some people, but like in terms of like, you know, you learn the lessons and then you feel like you're, the contribution you're bringing is actually maybe just personally, I don't feel as, as nervous as I might've done before. I ask that because of where I am in my life right now. And I feel like I am more in my gut leaning towards what you've just said. And there's obviously a big part of me that wants to sort of throw myself into something creative and to have it be 
good and successful and I can say I did that you know I don't mm. think I don't know if the place for me is on the stage or in front of the camera I think it probably is going to be behind and behind the scenes so I, I kind of I want I do want this to maybe progress a little bit more and I feel like we've done this now for yeah. two years and I feel like yeah. we need to now take the next steps into compiling recordings of album of an album for this for the thing we need to finish the, that sort of writing and we need to start finishing things and fine tuning them and I really think that we should start doing that now. Can I just say how excited I am to hear you say that? Yeah, <laughs> for me it's more fear that's holding me back. I find it really interesting this conversation because I want to create things because I don't like how things are done and I think this musical is an, another step of that um and I, I completely agree I want to take it further like I'm a very ambitious person I'm a very competitive person um and again probably the environment I was brought up into and I want this to go all the way I want this to win I want someone else in 20 years time to be doing a podcast and like suddenly they talk about um currently battle the musical and talk about um Oh, that you know, this is how they started. I I want that for us. I want a legacy. So yeah, I want to take this all the way. Um, yeah, we just went off on a massive tangent, so we we're gonna cut out the majority of what we've just said. However, thank you for that question, Amy, because it has opened up a sea of discussion, a plethora of uh, talking points for us three to um really be thinking about in a good way. Don't worry, in a very very good way. So thank you so much, Amy. If you would like to get in contact, you can. You can email us, podcast at dirtylaughs.co.uk or you can like and follow us on Instagram at dirtylaughspodcast. The same for TikTok. Harriet's head scratcher. Scratch your head now. Why is dark spelt with a K and not a C? What? Why is dark spelt with a K and not a C? Oh, who's got... I don't fucking care about that. Can I ask you, why would it be spelt with a C? That's what I'm asking you. What? (laughs) (laughs) I feel confused. It will piss you off, guaranteed. (laughs) Oh, can you get to the end of it then? Because you can't see in the dark. (laughs) Harriet. I was just ready to go into the rest of my Sunday <laughs> in a good mood, feeling productive, and you have just ruined that. <laughs> See, we were just... We were so good. We were so good. That we was were. awful. We were in such a good place. <laughs> I know. And then Harriet comes along. It's just a joke. <laughs> I was saving it. I saw it and thought, oh, that's for the podcast, that is. Is and, it? Uh, yeah. So you've been saving yeah. that one. I thought, you know, bring a bit of short, sweet humour to it. Why not? Bloody awful. I thought it was funny. So uh, there you go, listeners. You can go and use that one on people to wind them up. And uh, the feeling's brilliant afterwards. Okay, well, well done, you. I I, I just hate, like, <laughs> cheesy one-liner jokes. I don't get them. They're just so <laughs> not for me. And people love it. You know, like, who is it? Um, you know, like Tim Vine. Um, There's a few comedians that do that style where the whole thing is fast-paced one-liner jokes. 
I hate it. It stresses me out. I don't get the most of the jokes. I don't find them funny. They roll my eyes. And then everyone else in the audience is like crying with laughter for two hours. And I'm like, I, where, what, what show am I watching that I don't understand? I really feel I've triggered Ailish something chronic. You now. have. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like cracker jokes. I don't get them. <laughs> She's but crying. Mine. You've made Ailish oh, angry. It's a happy Sunday. You can think about that one. <laughs> oh, if you've got any head scratches that you want to see me wind Ailish and Sam up with, please keep sending them in because it's an absolute delight from my end. The way you've even called that a fucking head scratcher as well. <laughs> Excuse my language. And now it's my turn to be voice of the podcast. Um, thank you, Harriet. I really, really enjoyed that question. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad you did. Don't bullshit a bullshit. Go on. Um, but no, thanks everyone. Um, we hope you enjoyed that. But um, enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> you can't see in the dark. The it, doesn't even, it doesn't even grammatically make sense with the pun that you're trying to say. You should be. You can't put a C in the dark. <laughs> 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 <laughs>